the Lord, everybody. He alone is worthy. Amen. Maybe we'll wake some folks up that's, that's still not. Sister Kellyman, it's good to see you in the house of the Lord. Good to see Sister Kellyman in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. You, you got to touch before you leave. Let me get some of my country touch. Hallelujah. Well, welcome to Thursday night Bible study. It's a wonderful, wonderful evening. Uh, we are in the house of the Lord. God is so good. And we're grateful for all of you that have joined us tonight inside the sanctuary, but also that have joined us online as well, our online congregation. We are grateful that we can all come together one more time. At this time, we're going to go into uh, a prayer we're going to pray tonight that God will help us in our Bible study and that tonight will be productive, effective, and God's will will be done. Amen. Anybody fasting and praying and consecrate with me? All right. That sounds like a, uh-oh. <laughs> Everybody not saying it. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Well, if you haven't started yet, still time. We, we, we have um, next Sunday. We have all the way through till Sunday. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I, I don't tell you everything that's going on. I try to tell you almost everything, but I don't tell you everything. But what I will tell you is this. For the past couple of weeks, I just felt like every door was being shut on us for what God was trying to do. I just felt like I can't even explain it to you. That it felt like just everything just stopped. Everything stopped. Just stopped. Everything I can think about with the property, it just stopped. And nothing was moving. And this week, I must say, I feel like a whole lot is moving. And so it is worth it to fast and to pray, to call upon the name of the Lord, to consecrate yourself, to give yourself to God. We don't understand it. A lot of times we, we don't do things because we don't understand it. And that might be okay when you're not talking about the things of God. But when you're talking about the things of God, it's not about what you understand. It's about your obedience. I'm telling you, when you're talking about the things of the kingdom, it's about our obedience more than anything else. Because you're not always going to understand what God is doing. You're not going to always understand how things work the way he works it. But if we will just be obedient to his word and to his direction and to his leadership, then we will begin to understand that God works however he wants to and he will do whatever he wants to do. So if you haven't started fasting and praying with us, get on board. As I mentioned, as we started out, if it's just, you know, just all you know, begin to alter how you eat. Um, just do some kind of sacrifice and, and make sure you pray and consecrate yourself. And I see um, throw some people under the bus. Some people are struggling with staying off of social media while they're doing this. Amen. Today, I found myself like something. I was just scrolling through something. I don't know because I don't mess with social media. If I say I'm consecrated, I'm not. I'm consecrating. And I find myself like something. But you know what it was? It was Misia. She took a picture in front of Grice Middle School. Um, um, she's the vice principal of Grice Middle School. 
And that made me so happy I couldn't help myself. I, I just pushed like. And then I realized, no, 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 just text her. So I texted her and told her how much I love her and that she's doing so great and all that stuff. But, but just try to consecrate. Don't let yourself get distracted while we're doing this because something is happening in the realm of the spirit. I will tell you this. Um, some of you may not know uh, Pastor Evanson's story. But Pastor Evanson pastored his church, well, the church that he pastors, he past, he's been pastoring it for uh, 20 years. And he was in a building, a church building, where the Reformed Church owned it. And uh, the Reformed Church was there for a while with him. They were using the building together. And after a while, the Reformed Church, you know, um, wasn't doing well. So they kind of stopped having services, and he was having services and Pastor Evanson is really great with fixing things. He's just good at fixing things. And so he had fixed that church up. And so one day they came to him recently and says, hey, um, if you want to buy this building, you need to come up with the money in such and such amount of time. If not, we're going to sell it to a Hindu temple. And you got to figure, I mean, who has money to just come up with stuff like that to buy it? And he said the Hindu temple folks had cash money. I said that was just not right because the bottom line was they were supposed to give him a better opportunity than that. But nevertheless, Pastor Evanson sold his home. There's a parsonage on the church um, grounds, but it's nothing compared to his home. He had a big, nice five-bedroom corner lot house. And he sold his house and took the proceeds from selling his house and put it toward the down payment. He did a, um, a fundraising just like we did and began to ask, um, you know, for help. But Brother Kuhn got a hold of it and started asking people, say, can you give for uh, Brother Evanson? Because if, he, if, if, if we don't, he's going to be on the street. He sold his house. And when he did that, uh, people just started giving. And they needed 200000 within a month. And they got over $200,000 within a month. <laughs> Pastor Evanson called me up the other day and he said, I feel like God want me to give you guys $10,000. And he said he was going to give us $10,000 and he was just thinking about it. Then he said the spirit of God prompted him to do it now. I told you stuff is moving when you start fasting and praying. So he overnighted $10,000 to us. There's $10,000 waiting to go in the bank. The district gave us $4,500. The family church gave us $1,000. And we don't know what's going to happen between now. I told you I took out $50,000 out of my retirement fund. $50,000. I never had $50,000 in my hand cash. But I took out $50,000. I won't even, I might see the check when it comes. And turn it over to the trustees, let them deposit it. And so I am telling you that to tell you this. I believe strongly God wants to do something in our church, but we have to come to terms with that. We have to believe that and realize this is not a joke. This is not, this is not a joke. God is coming, and he is allowing us to be a great part of his harvesting, his revival, and reaching the lost, and, and at the same time profiting us and our family. And so we can't overlook this thing and think it's just no big deal. This is serious. And so 
it's going to take some sacrifice. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm positive that the money is in this church that we need. We shouldn't really have to go outside. I believe the money is in this church. I think many of us do good enough that if we sacrifice, we can come up with right now when I add up the money I, I have given. And that's on top of my pledge. I made a pledge. I gave my pledge. I finished up my pledge, um, I don't know, a couple months ago. And and so I said we need money. So I added to my pledge. But between the 50000 that I'm given, the 10000 that Pastor Evanson just sent, uh, the $4,500 that the district um, gave us, the $1,000 that Family Church gave us, I believe that's $65,500, which means we need $134,500 to sew everything up. Um, we were using some financial um, institutions and banks, and I'm telling you, a couple weeks ago, everything, nope. Not going to happen. Nope, not going to happen. The one bank, Investors Bank, they were promising, but they just got purchased by Citizen Bank, and that's causing problems. They say, nope, can't do it. And all of a sudden this week, just this week, two banks, I feel like they're, they're jockeying to get our business. This is, I mean, I'm like, we go from banks closing their doors like, can't do it. To now two banks are saying, yeah, we, we really want to finance you. And, and, and so just keep fasting and praying. This is God's business. This is not our business. This is God's business. And I'm telling you, there is no better thing you can invest your time, your effort, and your money into than the kingdom of God. There's nothing better to invest your money, your time, and, and, and your talents in like the kingdom of God. So keep in mind what we're still trying to do. October the 10th is when we're supposed to close. And we need $134,500. We can use a little extra if, if there's extra there. But that's what we need. Um, Brother Evanson feels it in the spirit that God is getting ready to do something. I feel that God is going to do something. I need for you all to feel it and says God's getting ready to do something. Amen. Today I met a guy at the building. He's what they call a broker. He says, Wayne, I'm a broker, but I'm going to try to do something different for you. I'm going to try to use my connection with the banks that I know to get you all this loan. He met me at the building. He saw the building. And he was just like, let me tell you something. If people can steal this building from under us, they would. This building is a profitable building. And, and, and I just spoke to the realtor the other day, the owner of the realtor. His name is Dave Banani. And Dave said to me, I was just kicking around with him, and Dave said, Wayne, I have six people right now lined up that want that property. Six. So I'm just letting you know where you are in the, in, in the plan of God. It's up to you if you're going to follow through and get it done or you're going to, you know, idle. Let's stand. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer tonight. Amen. Thank God for his goodness. Thank God for his mercy and his kindness. Amen. Good to see everybody. As you're praying tonight, I want you to mention some people, and I want you to mention specific things to them. I want you to pray for healing for Sister Stacy, for Brother Henry, and Brother Bob. All right? Healing, Sister Stacy, Brother Henry, and Brother Bob. Bob is doing great. Tom went to see him the other day. He wasn't doing good for a while. He's doing great. So continue to keep Bob in your prayer prayers. Are, are really working, and Bob is feeling better, doing better. Brother Henry, pray for him. Sister Stacy, pray for her. Pray for Sister Cummings. 
Um, she's taking care of her mother, but we need her, we need her to get spiritual strength so she can um, get some time to be in the house of the Lord as well. So pray for Sister Cummins as well, that God will strengthen her. I also want you to pray for Brother Josh. Brother Josh um, is looking for an apartment. So ask God to open a door for Brother Josh that he will be able to get a, a, an apartment close by so he can continue to come to church and, you know, work as he does because he, he loves being here. He loves the area and um, he doesn't want to have to move far from here. So pray for Josh that God will open the door for him for an apartment. And if there's any other prayer requests, just, um, you know, signal it by the wave hand, raise hand, and let the Lord know who you want um, him to touch and situations you want him to work in and pray for our Bible study tonight. Lord Jesus, tonight we have come before you one more time, asking and petitioning, seeking and crying out to you for your will to be done. Lord, we are your people who are called by your name. <laughs> and, oh, God, we look to you, our great king and author and finisher of our faith. Jesus, we humble ourselves tonight, Lord God. We are weak, but you are strong, almighty God. And, Lord Jesus, we've come to ask for your will to be done tonight, Lord Jesus. We pray tonight, Lord God, for Bob, that you will heal his body completely. We pray that you'll touch Brother Henry in his body, give him strength and heal him and make him whole. We pray for Sister Stacy, Lord God, that you'll touch her from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet and that you'll make her whole, Lord God. We pray tonight for Sister Cummins, Lord God, that the strength of the Lord will come upon her and that you'll lead her into the house of the Lord to be refreshed, to be renewed and restored, Lord God. I pray tonight, Lord, for Brother Josh that you will open a door for him, that you will make a way for him, that you will provide for him according to his need. Oh, God, hear our cry as we ask, Almighty God, for your will to be done. Bless him, Lord God. I pray tonight you have your way in our Bible study, Almighty God. I pray that you will speak through me, Lord God, and speak to our hearts. I want to receive what you have in store. We want to receive what you have in store. And we pray tonight you have your way. We pray tonight you speak to our hearts. Lord, we will not just be hearers, but we will be doers of your word tonight, Lord God. Let there be a move of your spirit in our soul, in our hearts, and in our mind, almighty God. Oh, Lord, we need you. We call upon your name tonight, Lord. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, almighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, will you continue to open doors? Will you continue to make the way for us, Lord God? that we will fulfill the vision, Lord God, to continue doing the work of the ministry, to continue, Lord God, expanding the kingdom of God. Oh, yes, Lord, have your way tonight, Lord God. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. Help us to hear and to do what the Spirit of the Lord, the Word of the Lord is saying unto us tonight. Bless your people, O God. Bless them that are here tonight. Bless those that have joined, Lord God, online tonight. Bless them, Lord God. Oh, God, we thank you tonight. We praise you. We bless your holy name. There is none like you. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised.
Come on, let's thank the Lord tonight and give him praise. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Come on, somebody. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Give him honor and praise, for he is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth enduring to all generations. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Brother Ethan, I thought about today. And during prayer and consecration, the Lord directs you a lot. I said, we need, um, I don't know if we thought about it, but we need a big enough praise and worship team that we can have, um, we can alternate. You know, because I would like to start singing on Wednesday, just one or two courses on a Wednesday evening. And I don't want to overwork. And so on Thursday, well, we're probably going to go to Wednesday. When we, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll vote about that. Got a lot of stuff going on in my brain. <laughs> Got too many things going on in my brain. You all don't want to know. Let me also tell you. Well, <laughs> let me say another thing. When you all, while you're consecrating and fasting, do me a favor. Go to YouTube and type in apostolic preaching. Don't look at that stuff because I don't know what you guys do with your time. Because I thought that so many things, right? But I say, are we, we, we're in a good time where we can see what other churches that are apostolic, what they're doing. Because I believe some of us only know what's going on here. It's not good to just know what's going on in your church. And some of us only know what's going on here. Go online and see what's going on in some other places. I'm not telling you to copy what they're doing, but just it, it will do something for you when you go and look and see what's going on in other places because maybe it will spark your, your gift and your talent to, to say, you know what, I need to start doing this. I need to get involved with this. I need to be able to do this. So go and type in apostolic preaching in YouTube and you will begin to see some great preachers on there. And, and, and it's wonderful. I saw last night, you know what I was watching last night, Sister Jackson? Jeff Arnold was at Pastor Myers in, um, in Florida. And Jeff Arnold is a madman. And, and no matter how old he gets, he, 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 told, he told them, he said, the last time I was here, the bishop invited me. And I guess I didn't do so good. Y'all didn't invite me back till 2022. <laughs> Jeff Arnold is just out of control. He don't care. And so he, he tore it up down there at First Pentecostal in um, Palm Bay. <laughs> oh, that was funny. You may be seated. All right, let's, um, let's see where we're going to start here tonight. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3. We're going to do some Bible study tonight. Real Bible study tonight. Amen. I was watching some Bible studies last night. I said, okay. You know, somebody got to look and see, you know, if, if we okay. You know, are, are we doing the right thing? You've got to have things going on around you that you can look to to keep yourself in the right path. And sometimes we just, you know, stay in our own path and we never know anything else that's going on around us. 
Amen. I, last night I was watching Bible studies. They were fun. Um, Anthony Mangan, you know, he got in an accident the other day with his mom in the car. And um, his mom, you know, she did a few days in the hospital and stuff like that. So she'd been staying with him um, for a few days. He said 15 days she'd been staying with him. And so she decided, she said, Anthony, I want my car keys. I'm ready to go home. And and she was um, 96, Vesta. And so she told him, I want my car keys. And he started trying to lecture her. And she said, listen to me. It wasn't me that was driving the car that crashed. It was you. I know I'm 96, but I didn't crash the car. You crashed the car, so give me my car keys. 96. <laughs> oh, man. We had fun last night just looking at church services, and just it's just good to see how we just have fun in church. Sometimes people don't realize we have a good time in church. If you show up, you'll see. <laughs> All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3. The Bible says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Our study tonight will be entitled Warfare. Warfare. That's our study tonight. I gave it a title. Uh, I know we're familiar with those portions of scriptures, but I'm going to hopefully help us tonight so we can understand. Sometimes what I do not want to do is pastor a church that can probably throw out some scriptures every once in a while, but can't explain it. Don't really fully understand what it means. Don't know how to apply it. And, and I don't think that's how it should be for us as Christians. But there are a lot of Christians that um, we don't really understand how to convey the word and how to apply the word. Um, you know, we're talking to people and people are tr listening to hear from us and we're not giving them good sound instructions in the word and they're listening we're skipping around and saying all kind of things and they're just looking for something to hold on to but a lot of times we just know we're saved we just know we got the holy ghost we just know we baptize in jesus name but how do we really give somebody something to hold on to when they walk away from us when we explain the word of god to them how do we get them there and so i want to first start by telling you this this evening there is a war going on. Whether we engage in it or not, whether we see it or not, there is a war going on. The Bible wouldn't tell us that the weapons of our warfare. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says the weapon are weapons of our warfare. So if there's weapons for warfare, then there's war going on. So whether we can see it or whether we are engaging in it, it doesn't matter. There's a war going on. When we say war, what are we talking about? Because you might think the scripture is saying something different from what you understand. What are we talking about? What the Bible is, what is the Bible talking about when it says warfare? Well, this is talking about fight. 
It's talking about a fight. It's talking about to wage war. It's talking about conflict, challenges, dangers. It's talking about uh, uh, to strive against. So something is striving against you. Of course, all of this, though, is spiritual, which means it cannot be seen with the natural eye. This warfare that we are all in, you cannot see it with natural vision. And so we are prone to live our lives just only responding and doing things that we can see. But if we can't see it, this is why prayer is always at the bottom of our church life, our Christian life, because we still don't understand prayer and we can't see prayer. And, and a lot of times we don't pray and really seek God and wait to see God do what he says and also talk about it. The other day, Sister Hasker uh, sent something out that was really good because we are praying for people constantly. And she sent out a report saying that so-and-so that you were praying for, she wants us to know that she's doing better and she can tell that we're praying for her. I appreciated that because it lets you see that prayer really is real and that it's working. So a lot of times when we pray, we have to pay attention to the answered prayer and make a note of that and talk about it so we can make each other understand prayer is real even though it cannot be seen. We only want to do the things we can see. We only want to respond to the things we can see. Can I tell you this? This war that is going on is strategic and you are involved whether you know it or not. <laughs> Before the foundations of the world, the Lord Jesus put together a plan that is fail-proof, that is indestructible, that cannot be stopped. Everything that is happening, every single thing that is transpiring in this world today and outside of this world as well, every minute detail is working together perfectly to accomplish God's plan that he established before the foundation of the world. I heard Brother Mangan said last night, he a bishop now, so I can say Bishop Mangan. I heard him said last night, which a lot of us don't like to embrace, especially Christians. If that's true, that God has a plan that he established before the foundation of the world and it's working. The Bible says, and, and we know all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. We as Christians, we know that there's an antichrist that's coming. We know a lot of things and somehow we get alarmed. And one of the things that he said that I really appreciated was we need to stop acting like fools about who is in the White House office. Because whoever's in there, God allowed them to be there, and they will facilitate the coming of the Lord. So whether they're on, they're supporting Christian views or they're not supporting Christian views, it doesn't matter. Their job is to fulfill prophecy. That's their job. 
so we get why we get up in arms and even start going against each other because of who is in the White House office because we're for this one or we're for that one and we're not understanding whoever's in that seat they're part of prophecy they will help to usher us toward the end times and the coming of the Lord and so we better understand it's not our business all our business is just go ahead and vote that's it go ahead and vote but who gets elected doesn't matter doesn't matter God is on the throne he's all powerful and his business will get done somebody say amen but with all of that great plan that God has perfect plan guess what Satan has a little plan too Mm -hmm. unfortunately or fortunately his plan will fail (laughs) it will be destroyed as a matter of fact it cannot work it will not be fulfilled but here's the problem there are some people deceived and they are going along with his weak plan that doesn't have a chance why because they don't know they are in a war or they know they're in a war they just don't want to fight so there are people that are christian they are totally oblivious to satan's plan to destroy their life and so they're just going with the flow of everything not understanding that the devil want to destroy their life and then there are people that understand there is a real devil and he wants to destroy you but in your mind man let god worry about that i'm not even gonna worry about the devil Hmm. we'll talk about that jesus christ who is almighty god manifests hear me please hear me Jesus Christ, who is almighty God, manifests. He created and established this unstoppable plan. Listen to me. Yet, while physically on earth, he had to engage in the warfare. Jesus, almighty God, who created everything, when he manifested himself and came to the earth, he had to engage in the spiritual warfare. So how in the world we think we won't have to engage in it as Christians? How do we think as Christians that, oh, God's got my back, we'll be fine. God has our back. God's going to take care of us. But we have to do our part. That's something that I think we miss all the time. And you you know, I always say it. We we miss it because we still are, are, what's the word? We're still... Um, so, so far from our understanding of what good relationship is supposed to be like. Because we lack in the area of good relationship, we don't understand that we got to do our part as Christians, and the Lord will do his part. Because so many of us, we are in relationship doing what we want. And so as Christians, we're doing what we want, because we don't realize the Christian relationship with the Lord is He does what he does, and we do what we do, right? Because we come to the table with what we have, and we can only do what we can, and he will do what he can, which he's all-powerful. He can do everything. But he will not make us, he will not allow us to have no responsibility in the relationship. 
The Lord will not allow us to have no responsibility in a relationship. That's not a relationship. It's not a relationship where if you are in a relationship with God that you just do whatever you want and he's supposed to do what he's supposed to do to make sure your life is good. That's not a relationship. So if your understanding of a relationship in the natural is that, then quite honestly, you might have taken that over into the spiritual. And that will cause a big struggle in our life that we're in a relationship with the Lord in saying he's all powerful. He's good. He loves me. And so I don't have to worry about a thing. He'll take care of everything. And I do nothing. We know this war is spiritual, which means your natural vision will not perceive it, which obviously means the human ingenuity and strength and even their weapons are useless in this spiritual war. Whatever you can come up with on your own, whatever I can come up with on my own in the spiritual warfare that we're in, engaged in or not engaged in, we cannot use any ingenuity or any strength or any intelligence that we have that will get us to be victorious in this war. The Bible says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Mm -hmm. Fighting this spiritual battle with weapons of the world, with physical strength, worldly strategy, and material wealth will be foolish. I know y'all, I make statements sometimes and y'all say, yeah, he's crazy. That's him, that's not me. And you're probably right. But I've come to terms a long time since I've been living for God that money is just money. Means to an end. It's not that serious. It's not that important. I'm not going to treat money as serious. I'm not. I've lived long enough to know it's not that serious. Not that serious. When I die, I die. And I'm going to probably leave a little bit behind and somebody else will get it. Don't, don't, don't let your money hold you hostage. Loose your pockets a little bit. Loose your pocketbooks. Loose up some of the, those accounts because don't let your money hold you hostage because none of us know. I've been talking to, man, bankers and brokers and they're just, I'm just, just so exhausted from talking to them. But I told this guy today, I said, you know what's interesting to me? You all look at the church's finance and say to yourself, we don't know the membership will always be at this level so the money can drop. And, you know, so, you know, we have to look at all the angles before we actually give you a loan. I said, fine. I said, but you know what's silly about that? I've been on my job almost 30 years, but I can show up tomorrow and not have my job. But if I apply for something, you all think I'm gold. You all say, man, this is his salary. This is his credit score. And he's been working on the job for 30 years. Give him whatever he wants. I said, you all treat me like, he said, you're right. He said, he, then he had to say, yeah, finances don't always make sense. I said, I just want you to know that I understand what's going on. Because just as much as you think, you know, church membership can go down and the giving can go down, people can lose their job that very moment. We've seen it. 
But we're acting like since they've been on their jobs 30 years, oh, it's no big deal. They're going to always be on their job. No way. Don't go like that. There's nothing guaranteed in this life. Nothing. A spiritual battle requires spiritual weapons that can only be through Almighty God. So what are these weapons that are mighty through God? Before we look at these weapons, let's first see what these weapons are for. These weapons, these spiritual weapons that the Lord is telling us that are mighty through God, these spiritual weapons that he's talking about, they are supposed to be used to pull down strongholds. They are to be used to cast down imaginations. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And they bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So watch this. Strongholds, imaginations, high things, thoughts. All those attacks are directed to a specific area of our life. Strongholds. Imaginations, high things, and thoughts. Every attack the enemy attacks you with is in the mind. Look at it. Strongholds. I'll tell you what they are in a second. Imaginations. We know that's mental. High things. Mental. Thoughts. Mental. So let's look at it. Strongholds. What are strongholds? Strongholds, as the Bible uh give the definition, they are fortresses. One definition say it's like a castle. So when the devil have a stronghold in your life, it's like he built a castle in your life. (laughs) Hear this. Here's another point of what a stronghold is. This is the one that I always kind of key on. A stronghold is any strong point or argument In which you trust in. Any strong points or argument in which you trust in. What does that mean, preacher? It means we get a certain belief. And that belief, we don't even know why we have that belief. As a matter of fact, I'll go deep with you, but I won't go too deep. Some of the belief that we have come up with is because of things that happened to us in our past. And because of what happened to us in our past, we make a declaration to ourselves in our life that I will never or I will. And we hold on to that. And no matter what, we get saved. We repented of our sins. We got baptized in Jesus name. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. We talk in tongues. We're supposed to be living holy and righteous. But that stronghold still have us because of what happened years ago. And we're holding on to it because in our heart of heart, that's a strong like that he will establish these strongholds so you have to ask yourself tonight what am i doing that it's a strong argument that i have for why i'm doing it you don't care if it's christian you don't care what it is 
You just know I am doing it because I have a strong argument of why I need to do it. What is that? Whatever that is, that's the stronghold and that needs to go. Because you can't have stuff in your mind and saying, I just know. And then sometimes you don't tell anybody. You start saying, they wouldn't understand. But I was the one that lived through this. I was the one that went through this. So I'm doing this. Okay. You don't think when you went through it, God was there? God was there when you went through it. So go tell him that you keep doing that because he doesn't understand. Because he doesn't know when you had to go through that, how tough that was. And so you held on to whatever you're holding on to. That's your stronghold. And those strongholds get into the way of us having good relationships. Strongholds. Castles. That the enemy has built up in our life and we don't even understand it. We're just living our life normally and knowing that we are not living our best life. And the reason why, strongholds. What's the next thing the Bible talks about? Imaginations. What are imaginations? Imaginations are reasonings. Imaginations are thoughts. Imaginations are calculations. Imagination consideration and reflection and so as we reflect and reason we begin to build up we calculate and we begin to get get we form uh opinions imaginations then we go down to high things what is the bible talking about when it talks about a high thing a high thing is a uh, a lofty tower or fortress built up proudly by the enemy Thoughts we allow the enemy to keep building on. So let me give you an example. The devil put a thought in your mind. This is a high thing. The devil put a thought in your mind, and you know it's ungodly, but you never rebuked it. You know it's ungodly, but you never dealt with it. You know it's ungodly, and you let it linger there in your mind. And as long as you let it linger, as long as you never deal with it, the devil just keeps adding and adding and adding. It's so bad that you will be praying to God, praying fervently, and here comes that thought because it has become a high thing. It's exalting itself above the knowledge of God because you never dealt with it. So if you want to know why this thought is coming to my mind, not when you're sleepy, but if you're normally just praying and you're not sleepy and you get this bold thought that comes, that's a high thing. That's a high thing. It needs to be dealt with. It needs to be rebuked. Then thoughts obviously are perceptions, your intellect, and your disposition. These godly uh, these, these, these attacks from the devil is, is, is coming at us, bombarding us, and we don't realize that if we don't do something about it, we're struggling with these strongholds, these imaginations, these high things, and these thoughts. And while we have our faculties, while we have strength, while we are smart and educated, intelligent, and do what we do all the time, while we take care of our homes and our family, guess what? Because of strongholds, imaginations, and high things, and thoughts that the enemy are lodging in your brain, you are not as effective as you need to be. As a matter of fact, you're living beneath your privileges because the enemy has control in your mind. 
These godly weapons, though, that are not carnal, these godly weapons of warfare are supposed to combat those attacks that the enemy is launching against our mind. So what are these weapons that are mighty through God? Again, we must consider that these attacks from our enemy is against our mind. Your enemy is trying to control and destroy you by building strongholds in your mind, a castle, a fortress. He is trying to get you to conjure up ungodly imaginations by raising up and establishing high things in your life. He is planting his thoughts in your mind that will cause you to doubt the word of God. That's the weapon he is using to defeat and to destroy us. All of these things, these strongholds, these imaginations, these high things, and these thoughts, the enemy is bombarding and attacking us to destroy us, to defeat us, to make us just worthless and render us incapable of being powerful. This is why fasting is important. Because the good thing about fasting, how the devil will work He lodged these things in your mind. But eventually, what happens? Your flesh carry out the action. So when you're fasting, what happens? After three days, if you really fast, the real fast. I'm not taking away from some of your fasts. I'm talking about the real fast, no food, no juice, no smoothie. I'm talking about the real fast. After three days, flesh dies as a matter of fact after about a you know day and a half the flesh is crying out trying to get you to go eat something fight with it go eat something i need something and you just got to ignore that flesh and after three days the flesh get quiet because it's dead so what happens now is no matter what the devil had put into your mind it can't get done in the flesh because the flesh ain't got no strength or energy to do anything So if nothing else, when you fast, the plan of the devil is thought because you can't carry out the action if you're really fasting. Uh But our weapons, which are mighty through God, we will destroy that attack that he's coming to us with. Since the war is for our mind then it's certain the weapons must be able to operate in our mind. So this spiritual weapon or weapons that God wants us to use, it got to be weapons that is working in our mind because the attack is in our mind. Now, let me say this. I am not sure what all the weapons are. And you're going to find it very hard to... uh, to to find someone that can biblically show you what all the weapons are. If most people go to Ephesians 6 and 13 through 18 to tell you those are weapons, but if you go back to the text, it says, put on the whole armor of God. So when I read my Bible, I try to be very careful. Armor and weapon is not the same to me. And so to go to Ephesians 6 
13 through 18 and says, well, there you go. There's the weapon. Uh, it says armor. So now we're going to have to debate, well, armor means weapon, and weapon means armor. I'm not going to debate that. All I know is one says weapon, one says armor. So I just leave it at that and says Ephesians 6, 13 through 18, those are not weapons to me. They're armor. And so I was studying and studying. I said, God, what can the weapon be? What would the weapons be? And I never got an answer from the Lord about all the weapons. But he did put one weapon in my mind. He gave me a weapon and then made me understand that weapon is multi-purpose. Now, I'm very interested about what I'm getting ready to tell you because I even checked with some of my Bible scholars and they were stumped with this. I said, what's their thoughts about this? And they said, ooh, that's a good one. Now, I haven't had a Bible scholar to answer it. They said, that's a good one because we can't get any scripture that says, here are the weapons that 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6 is talking about. Nothing is clear that the weapons of our warfare are blah, 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 blah. However, I got to remember this, that the weapons that we need to be using, it must be able to work in our mind. Because that's where the devil is working at, in our mind. So it wouldn't make sense to get a weapon that handles the flesh. He's not attacking the flesh because the flesh he overtakes by attacking and controlling the mind. When you control someone's mind, you control that person. So the devil has been around long enough to know, I don't need to control your flesh. Let me control your mind, and that will internally control your flesh. So don't think the devil coming after your flesh. He coming after your mind. And usually your flesh get happy when your mind tell it what to do. All the stuff that you're doing, it's a thought. It's an imagination. It's a high thing. It's a stronghold if it's not being checked by the power that's supposed to work in you. And so here's what I come up with. I came up with anyway. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I propose to you tonight that while I do not know all of the weapons that 2 Corinthians is talking about, I propose to you that the weapon we can use to defeat the enemy is the word of God. The weapon we must use to combat the enemy's attack on our mind is the word of God. I think I got enough uh, uh, investigation to show to you that I'm correcting this. The word of God, it says here in Hebrews 4 and 12, the word of God is powerful. <laughs> the word of God, if you study some more, the Bible says the word of God, it's life, it's spirit. 
It, it, is, it is how we obtain faith by the word of God. So you couldn't have faith if you didn't have the word of God. And we know faith is like, what is it, the shield that quench all the fiery darts. So in order to obtain faith, it's going to be by understanding and learning the word. So I believe the weapon that is multifaceted that will help us to defeat and destroy and thwart the plan of the enemy is the word of God. The word of God is knowledge and it is light. The word of God is living. It is not dead. Inactive and powerless? No, sir, it is not. It is a living power and is energetic and active. Its power is seen in awakening the conscience, destroying the fears, laying bare the secret thoughts of the mind, and causing hell and Satan to tremble with the apprehension of the coming judgment of the Almighty God. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus because they know that the time they're time is coming uh, where the, the the Lord will displace them and cast them into the lake of fire. It's the word that they're concerned about. When Jesus came on the scene, they said, oh, are you here to torment us? It's the word that they're concerned about. Check this out. All the great moral changes in the world for the better have been caused by the power of the word of God. Never forget this. Our morals that we have that is legit, it didn't come from man. This is what's strange about mankind. We're trying to change our moral laws when we weren't the ones that established it. We need to say, who established don't lie? Who established don't kill? Who established these moral laws that we're today trying to protest against? But we didn't establish them. God established moral laws. And if God established moral laws, man had no right to ever change them. But somehow today, man is trying to change moral laws. But moral laws came from God. That's where moral laws came from. This is why as a Christian, you can't agree to certain things. Because God did not say that. God said the opposite of it. And now they are wanting to change it. God says, I created them male and female. God said that. So I don't have an issue with other humans deciding that this is what they want to be or that's what they want to be. But if they talk to me, I'm going to tell them they're trying to change a moral law that was established by the creator, the almighty God. And so that will not fly because the one that gave life, the one that gave us our faculties. He was the one that says, I created you male and female. I don't care if it's 2022. We can't say, well, I think I was born this way. Well, I think I was this way. Well, where you get that from? Did God said that? Because God is not a man that he should lie. And everything God does, he's sure. He don't make mistakes. That's a moral law. It's a moral law that we're trying to change. I, when you talk to people and you ever get, please tell them you're not offended. All you are trying to get them to know is just like God says, thou shalt not steal. Is that good? Just like God says, you should not lie. Is that good? Well, he said, I created you male and female. So don't just Try to take what you want and do something with it and not understand. 
God established moral law. We can't go to trust. We can try to change it, but all we do is confuse ourselves and others. But we can't change God's moral laws. Let me take this a step further and tell you about the word of God. In John 1 and 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Can I tell you today, the Lord Jesus Christ is the word of God. You see what I'm saying? Well, I'm trying to tell you this weapon of the word of God is multifaceted and it can do everything that we need it to do. That high thing that is in our life that's battling us, uh, that imagination that is battling us, uh, those thoughts that are battling us, uh, those strongholds battling us. uh, All we need to do uh, is use the weapon, uh, which is the word of God. Verse 2 said, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now watch this in verse number 14. And the word was made flesh. God is the word, and you can't see God. God is the word. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But the Bible says no man had ever seen God at any time. But then the Word, God, was made flesh, who was the man, Jesus Christ. And so today we know Jesus is the living Word. Jesus is the living word. He is the word. When you see Jesus, you see the word of God. When you see Jesus, you're looking at the word himself. And so we're talking about weapons that will destroy and thwart the plan of Satan. All you got to do is just let God have his way in your mind. All you got to do is let the power of the word just move in your soul and your spirit. And you will defeat all the attacks of Satan. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, help us, Lord. We are not helpless and powerless against the devil's attack. We just need to use the weapons God gave us. Use the word of God. It is the weapon to tear down strongholds, imaginations, high things, and thoughts. When Jesus was led to the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, it was the word that Jesus used to defeat Satan. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And so when Jesus himself, the creator of everything, the God that gave life, when he showed up as man and the devil engaged him in warfare, guess what he says? It is written. And I'm telling you, you can't learn from anybody better than Jesus. And so when you are attacked by the enemy in your mind, you must say the same. It is written. And you quote the word of God. We're in a war. Whether we want to engage or not, you're in a war. Jesus didn't come and live an easy street life because he was God Almighty. He didn't show up and say, well, I'm God Almighty and I'm all powerful. I don't have to do anything. No, he engaged in warfare too. Mm -hmm. We can either stand by idly and go with the flow where our enemy is working deceitfully to destroy us in this war, 
or we can engage in the warfare and fight. And for those of you that are fasting and praying and consecrating with me in some way, shape, or form, you are fighting. You have engaged in the warfare. And before you say, God will not allow the devil to destroy us, think again. Because some people, we just love the comfortable lifestyle, and we don't want to think that there's any challenges, that there should be any struggles, uh, that there should be anything that, 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 that come against us as Christians. So we said, man, God is good, man. I'm not worried about, you know, the devil coming against me, because guess what? God will take care of me. Well, listen to this. For those of you that don't know all of the Bible, in Hosea 4 and 6, the Bible says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of God, thy God, I will also forget thy children. In all of that, it says, you have forgotten the word of God. So we want to always feel good. God is good. He's going to take care. Yes, he will. But we still have a role to play. We still have to do something. And he didn't leave us helpless. He gave us weapons. And the weapon I'm talking about tonight is the word of God. He gave us that. And if we have it and don't use it, well, guess what? God eat with supper. Because we're going to sit there thinking, God need to come in. God need to do something. God need to do something. Do what? He gave you the weapon. Use it. If you want to reject it, then guess what? The devil will come and put you under. And you're going to be so shocked and surprised. How did I end up here? Because you had the weapon and you didn't use it. So how do we use the weapon of the word of God? How do we use the weapon of the word of God? All we need to do is speak the word. That's what Jesus did. He spoke the word. All we need to do is speak the word. All we need to do is submit to the word. All we need to do is obey the word. All we need to do is to rebuke Satan's attack by quoting, declaring the word. <laughs> Come on. All we got to do is speak the word over our life. And so all those thoughts that are in your mind, all those high things, uh, all those imaginations and strongholds that are in your mind, I just need you to just speak the word over your life. Uh, speak the word of God over your children's life. Speak the word of God over your brothers and sisters. Speak the word of God in your church. Speak the word of God wherever you go. Speak the word of God over your communities. Uh, speak the word because there's power in the word of God. There is power in the word of God. God. The word of God will pull down strongholds. The word of God will destroy imaginations that are corrupt. The word of God will destroy the high things and bring them low. The word of God will replace evil thoughts with godly and righteous thoughts. We need to use the word of God. 
everything that is in your mind that is ungodly. Rebuke it. Can I tell you something? Sometimes we get so accustomed to being Christians and just living our Christian life that what happens is we let things slide. Evil thought come, ungodly thought come, worldly thought come, and we think we ignore it. But we don't need to ignore them. We need to rebuke them. When you get a thought that is ungodly that you know is against God and you shouldn't do it, you need to say, I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus Christ. I command your thought to loose my mind right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We got to start rebuking thoughts that come in our mind. We can no longer let them slide because the devil will build up a fortress. The devil will build up a castle. The devil will build up crazy imaginations. That's why we start saying we're this when we're really not that is because the devil will build up imaginations for his own good. The devil will establish high places in your life, which is pride most of the times. The devil will give you thoughts that will make you doubt God, that will make you doubt the word of God. That's what the devil will do. But you have the word of God and you need to start speaking the word after you rebuke that thought. Speak the word of God over your life. Speak the word of God over your husband's life over your wife's life speak the word of god over your children's life we need to start getting in the scriptures and get in the word of god and know where they are and start to quote them hebrews 4 and 12 that we read earlier says for the word of god is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart it is only the truth that will make us free truth is the word of god come on speak the word of God to your situations, to your thoughts, to your strongholds, to your imaginations, to your high things, and to your thoughts. Speak the word of God. Tear down strongholds. Tear down imaginations. Bring down high things. Get rid of those evil thoughts and let God reign in your thoughts. Let God reign in your mind because the devil is trying to destroy you, brother. The devil is trying to destroy your sister. I know what I'm talking about. Let me give you one thing before I just get out of your way. You know one of the reasons why we can't worship God? You don't want to admit what I'm telling telling you tonight is truth. But here is how I will let you understand this truth. We don't worship God like we used to. Worship. Remember what God says. Worship me. In spirit, he's not talking about his spirit. I know y'all want to say, oh, that's the Holy Ghost. Go back and look at the smallest. When he says worship me in spirit and truth, it's talking about worship me in your spirit, in your mind. And in truth, my word. So uh, when you worship God, it's your mind. It's your mind that, that's involved with God and his, his word. So between his word and your mind is how worship is processing. And so we can't worship God whenever the devil has strongholds in our life. We can't worship God whenever the devil has high places built up in our life. We can't worship God whenever the devil has brought imaginations in our life. When thoughts of the devil 
is controlling us. We cannot worship God. So we need to make sure we take care of the situation tonight that when we come in the house of God or when we're in the houses, wherever we are, we can worship God in spirit and in truth. We can call on the name of the Lord. We can speak his truth and we can put our mind, our heart, our soul into worshiping him. When you can't move in church, when you can't move in church, when you can't move in church, forget about praise because anybody can praise God. But when you talk about worship, when you can't worship God, it's because there's strongholds. It's because it's imaginations that the devil has placed in your life. It's because it's high things that is in your life. It's because it starts when you can't worship God. But if you will get rid of those things, if you use the weapon of God, you will see, you'll start to worship. You'll start to worship. There won't be no weights holding you down because these things are weights. They weigh you down. When you're trying to worship, the devil got you thinking about something carnal. When you're trying to worship, the devil got you thinking about some things you got to do. When you're trying to worship, the devil got you all over into next week. But I'm telling you, God has given you power. He has given you the word of God. It is multifaceted. It's multi-purpose usage. And you can bring down Everything that is trying to destroy you. Church, we got to speak the word. Psalms 1 and 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law, the word of God, the law of the Lord, and in his law that he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth. It shall. First John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the word of God. And when the devil told you you messed up so bad, when the devil tell you you ain't going to heaven, you need to quote First John 1 and 9. God says, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Guess what? First Peter 2 and 9 tells me we are a generation, a, a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation, a, a peculiar people that we should show forth the praises uh, of him that had called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. John 15 and 7 says, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Speak the word of God and get rid of these thoughts. Get rid of these strongholds. Get rid of these imagination that have you bound, that you can't think straight, you can't see straight because you're just so consumed by all of these things. I want you to trust God tonight to, to help you to get these things out of your life. Come on, let's stand to our feet tonight.
after we speak the word of God and we obey the word of God and we submit to the word of God, then we are free. The Bible said the truth shall make you free. The truth is the word of God. Truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. You see how powerful the word of God is? It ain't just some words on paper. It's truth. It's powerful. And then we know it's living. And then we know it's a person. It's the almighty God. It's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. You can't get no better weapon than that. You can't get any better weapon than that. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. When you take care of it, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10 and 6, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. When you get the victory by pulling down all the strongholds and imaginations and high things and thoughts, when you get the victory over that, then you need to take revenge and start living this thing out the right way and helping others to also overcome and live out. Let's pray for a second here and speak the word over our life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I tell you what, grab somebody's hand and pray for them tonight. Speak the word of God over somebody's life. Come here, Jordan. Speak the word of God over somebody's life. In the name of Jesus. Father, I speak your word over his life. I command every thought that is, oh God, a stronghold, that is a castle. I command, Lord Jesus, every high thing, every imagination and every thought that is of the devil. I command it in the name of Jesus Christ to loose him. I rebuke every thought over his life uh, that is ungodly. I've come to destroy every thought of the enemy that is in his life. I've come uh, to destroy by the word of God, by the power of your spirit, Lord, by the power of your word, set him free in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I speak life over him. I speak your will to be done in his life, Lord God. For, Lord, you died that he may be saved. You called him, Lord God, before he was even formed in his mother's womb. And today I speak, Lord, your word into his life. I pray, Lord God, that the will of God will be done, that he will be a royal priesthood, that he will be a holy nation, that he will be a peculiar people, Lord God. I pray, Almighty God, that he will be blessed, Lord God, and that he will walk, Lord God, in your statues and in your word, Lord God. I pray that he will abide in you and that your word will abide in him and that he will ask whatsoever he will and you will give it unto him. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless his life, Lord God. Raise him up, Lord God, to do great things in you, Lord God. Raise him up, Lord God, to be the vessel and instrument of God. I pray, Father, an anointing of God upon his life, Lord, like never before. And that the fear of the Lord will come upon him. And that you will reveal yourself to him, Lord. In the name of Jesus, move in this church, Lord God. Reveal yourself to us, Lord God. And let the word of God that we heard tonight take us, almighty God, into a new dimension. Liberate 
Isolate us, Lord God, in complete freedom. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we give you the praise and the honor. Come on, let's thank the Lord tonight and give him honor and give him praise. The Lord is good, his mercy everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Oh, hallelujah. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in our mouth. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. God is good, church. God is good. He has called us to use the weapon of the word of God. He has called us to ruin and thought the devil's plan. He has called us to engage in warfare. Whether you want to or not, you don't have a choice. You have to engage in warfare. You're fighting for your life. You're fighting for the life of your loved ones. You're fighting for the life of your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're fighting for the life of your spouse. Don't let the devil make you sit by idly and think that he's not working to destroy you because he is. Use the weapon that God has given you, the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. The presence of the Lord is in this place. Just love him before you go. Just love him before you go. Let the Lord know how much you're grateful and thankful that he's so good to you. He's so good to you. He's so good to you. He wants you to be successful. He wants you to be victorious. He wants his will to be done, which is great for you. Trust the Lord, church. Oh, hallelujah. On your way out, give to the building fund tonight. Have a great rest of your night. Keep your mind stayed on him. Let's try to get ourselves all the way through to this fasting and praying and consecration and don't forget Sunday right after church I will give the time maybe between 12.45 and 1 o'clock we're going to walk over to the building at Fort Tennis Court and we're going to walk around it and we're going to pray that's our final step we have prayed we have done our stewardship campaign we have done our, our prayer campaign we have fasted we're going to pray around the building, for that's all we can do. We will continue to speak the word of God and then let God have his way. So don't forget Sunday, come and walk with us. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your night.